0: Welcome to the Inez Franklin Teaching and Sermons Podcast. Inez is a teaching pastor, public speaker, and founder at trochia.org. Learn more about Inez at www.inezfranklin.com. We hope this teaching brings you guidance, connection, or tools as we seek God together today. Enjoy the teaching. Good morning did everybody have a good listener in their lives isn't it wonderful to have people who actually listen to us we've been on this series on wisdom and today we're going to talk about listening to wisdom actually us being good listeners ourselves to wisdom how many of you want to become wiser does anybody say no I think everybody wants to be wiser isn't that true We all want to become wiser, and the first step towards becoming wiser is to listen to wisdom. And so we're going to park ourselves on that today. Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs, one of the books of the Bible, which is considered a wisdom literature, and he writes this uh, whole book uh, essentially to his son, and he's telling his son, listen, listen to wisdom, right? It's a big if that he proposes to his son. If you listen well to wisdom things will go well right there is a, a promise if you listen this will happen and so that's what we're going to look at today is what is the benefit of listen how do we listen better and what is what is not going to happen if we listen because there's some things that we think well if we listen it's going to happen exactly this way I want us to not go, not go too far with this. So we're going to cover both, the benefits of listening and what are not the things we can expect from listening, right? So uh, we're going to start with a little bit from Solomon. It, I could have picked anywhere in this letter, but I chose chapter 8, uh, verse 4 through 11. So let me just read through that. Then we'll pray. We'll get going. It says this, "'To you, O people, I call out. I raise my bo- voice to all mankind.'" You who are simple, gain prudence. You who are foolish, set your hearts on it. Listen, for I have trustworthy things to say. I open my lips to speak what is right. My mouth speaks what is true, for my lips detest wickedness. All the words of my mouth are just. None of them is crooked or perverse. To the discerning, all of them are right. They are upright to those who have found knowledge. Choose my instruction instead of silver, knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom, let's read that part together. For wisdom is more precious than rubies, and nothing you desire can compare to her. Solomon is making this point, and it's not the first time he does it. He does it in chapter 2. He goes along reminding his son, or us, the readers, To listen, listen to wisdom, for it has trustworthy things to say. In chapter, uh, later in verse 32 to 36, I'll read this over you. Listen to what it says. It says, now then, my children, listen to me. This is wisdom speaking. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not disregard it. It says, blessed are those who listen to me watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. For those who find me find life and receive favor in the Lord. Now, isn't that a benefit of wisdom? I think that's why all of us are like, yes, I want wisdom. But those who fail to find me, wisdom says in verse 36, find harm themselves. All who hate me love death. So we either find all the good things that wisdom gives, or if we reject wisdom, we walked ourselves on a journey towards destruction. That's what wisdom says about herself. And Solomon says, to be wise, we must be attentively listening to wisdom at all times. So what does it mean to listen? Let me just start with these two points. First, there's passive listening, where you are not really looking for wisdom, but it comes your way. Have you ever had that happen? Someone like, gives you a piece of advice, you didn't ask for it, They're like, and they'll start this way. Well, I know you didn't ask me for this, but I'll, I'll give you a piece of advice. How many of us are very good listeners when someone starts like that? <laughs> Not too many of us, right? Because already we go, oh, wow, what are you coming with? And so, right, you know, we might even turn off our ears when someone starts talking us in that direction. But passive listening is actually a good thing because quite often, well, maybe sometimes the delivery is poor, is that true? Sometimes people may have something to say to us that might be wise. So that's passive listening, when we just sort of are not looking for wisdom and it comes our way. Solomon, throughout his letter, makes the point that wisdom is constantly calling at us, which means that there is wisdom coming at us all the time. The question is, are we willing to listen to it, right? And then you have active listening, when we actually pursue wisdom, when we make an effort to actually find wisdom that we need and we might be asking a counselor or, or a mentor or a friend for advice and that's when we seek to listen and usually when we go at it, when you do that, when you ask a friend for advice, how good are you at listening? Pretty good, right? I mean, you, want, you ask, you're ready for the answer. You're like instantly ready to listen. A little different than passive listening. A passive listening like, well, I didn't ask for that. But when, when you are seeking it, you receive it. And so this is what Solomon wants us to do, to ask for wisdom, to be active listeners, to be pursuing wisdom all the time. In Proverbs 2, this is, again, uh, Solomon saying to his son, if you call out for it, and you cry out for it, and you look at for it as silver and search for it as a hidden treasure, wisdom will enter your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. If you call out for it, if you search for it as a treasure, you will find it. You know, if once I lost one of my earrings. I had this really bad habit of, you know, at the end of the day, you st- I take all my jewelry off, and I, ear- I t- would take my earrings off and pin them on my sweater, like we're watching TV, and they'd bug me, so I'd pin them on my sweater. Anybody think that's a good idea? (laughs) Nut. but I had this habit, and so I would do that, and then sometimes I'd be working on the computer, and my ring bothers me, so I would take them off and put them on the side of my computer. Anybody think that's a good idea? (laughs) Nut. I would do that. Well, one day, I lost one of my earrings, and I was so upset that I lost my earring. It was a gift to my husband. I actually told my husband, after I looked all over the house, never buy me jewelry again. I'm not trustworthy. I've already lost jewelry before that you've given me. It's not worth it because it was so precious to me. I was so upset to lose it. And I looked everywhere in the house, and I couldn't find it. Thankfully, I did find it eventually. But man, what if we sought wisdom with that kind of passion? I mean, you've lost some things, right, that you've looked all over the house for, Man, the, the, your car keys. How many of you have lost your car keys? How passionate are you finding those car keys? Is there any question that you're looking for your car and Someone comes in to talk. Don't talk to me right now. I'm finding my car keys. I need my car keys. You know, you just, you're so hyper-focused until you find it. What if we were that kind of wisdom listeners? Where nothing can get in the way. Because you're after it like a deep treasure. That's what Solomon wants us to do today. Listening involves both receiving it when it comes at us passively, but involves us passionately seeking it out. That's what Paul wants us to know today. Now, consider if you had a mentor, someone in your life who you could go to and ask for wisdom on a regular basis. Do you think any one mentor, wise person in your life can give you all the wisdom you need? No, no right? The reality is we need a variety of people in our lives because you might, in one situation, one thing you're trying to figure out, you might need to talk to three or four or five people. Now, too many gets very confusing, and you may get all kinds of bad advice or or confusing advice, but you need often more than one person. And so seeking wisdom from multiple sources is very important, and we're going to see that today. Proverbs 8, 6 says, listen. For I have trustworthy things to say. Wisdom wants us to listen. And in Proverbs 2, 6, it says, For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. The most important thing that God wants for you and I is to have wisdom to understand that wisdom comes from God. We talked about this. Remember, we started this series with Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which was trust in the Lord, right? Do not lead on your own understanding. Submit to the Lord. Wisdom comes from Him. We learned that we have a capacity problem. There is a point at which we cannot have, we don't have enough wisdom for whatever we're facing. We have to seek that from Him. The problem with Adam and Eve in the garden was that They felt they could separate from God. As long as they were together and close to God, they were wise. But the minute they separated from God, what happened? They failed in their wisdom. Because soon the enemy came about to Eve, tantalized her with, hey, you know, did God say you can't have some of that fruit? I mean, are you really going to die? Are you sure you're going to die? You're not going to die if you eat that. And so she does. She chooses not to listen to wisdom. She eats from the tree. She lets, invites Adam to do the same. And from that point forward, we're on this journey of being reconnected with God. Because when you and I separate from God, separate from his wisdom, we are headed in a path of destruction, just like Solomon says. God does not want that for you, doesn't want that for me. So he pursues us with his wisdom all the time. And wisdom is Christ himself. Let me just put that straight. Before we go into all these other books, I want to, I want to just put this on the foundation that Christ himself is our wisdom. 1 Corinthians 1, 3 says that it is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom. Now, if you take uh, John chapter 1 and you just replace the word word to wisdom, listen to how this sounds because the word in John chapter 1 behind this English word, word, the word became flesh. is actually a word that represents logos, which represents ultimate knowledge and wisdom. Now listen to how it would read. In the beginning was the wisdom and the wisdom was with God and the wisdom was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that had been made. The wisdom became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. There is no wisdom greater than God himself. And God came in the flesh in the person of Jesus Christ, so that you and I have access to all wisdom. There is no reason for you and I not to seek it, to try to listen for it. We have access to the most powerful wisdom ever, anywhere. You know, we read books. How many of you like go to the self-help section of the bookstore? I'm not going to shame you. I I just want to know. How many of you like, I do. I mean, I'm all into this stuff. You know, how to lose weight, how to be a better leader, how to be a better parent, how to be a better friend. Um, I don't know, how to do well in business. I, I read lots of books on positive thinking. I, I'm all into that. Let's just get better, get wiser. But when you look at all of those books, where do the wisdom that are in the books come from? From the Bible. From the Bible. You know, John Maxwell, all of his books. All of his uh, teaching on leadership, he will tell you, all comes from the Bible. There is no wisdom better than the wisdom that God gives us. And that wisdom comes through Jesus Christ. And even Jesus himself, we're told in scripture, he grew in wisdom. You know, you know what I want you to think today, what I want you to leave with today? I'm going to tell you the punchline before we get there. And because if you kind of fall asleep and you get a little sleepy with me, I don't want you to forget this. Jesus grew in wisdom, and so should we. There is nothing, nothing more important for us to do. Remember, he said they're even more valuable than any treasure or any rubies. Now, imagine if we had that single focus, searching for wisdom, only wisdom, everything that we're doing all day long, searching for wisdom. That's what Solomon asked from God, and God granted it to him. And so we read in Proverbs all the wisdom that God gave to Solomon. So now let me talk about what wisdom does not do. Because it's very important. How many of you want wisdom? Lots of wisdom. How many of you are willing to say, I'm going to make it my business to search for wisdom? Okay? So you need to know this. Because what often is when we go searching for something, we need to know what it does not do. And as we read these three letters, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Proverbs about Ecclesiastes and Job. Remember I told you, you can't go to just one friend and get all the wisdom you need from one friend. The Bible has multiple books on wisdom, and you must put them together so you can see the clear picture of wisdom that we are being given. So when we're listening, we can listen and understand what we're being told and not be myopic in our thinking. So here's the first thing, Proverbs. Proverbs How many of you like love reading Proverbs? I'm curious, right? Now, I I love Proverbs, but frankly, my brain tunes out after a while because it's like, you know, it's just these statements after the other, and I need to take time to actually listen to them. But if you do, you'll notice a pattern in Proverbs. If you do this, this will happen, right? This is good, this is not. Utilize wisdom, have healthy character, reaches prosperity. Be foolish, bad character, ruin. That's like the consistent pattern of wisdom. I was doing my little walk one morning, and I'm listening to the Proverbs, the whole book, and I, in order to stay focused on it, I would listen to a statement, and I would say, that's good, and if I listened to the foolish side of the statement, I would say, that's evil. That's how I stayed awake. So this is how I was walking, and I was going, good, evil, evil, good, good, evil, and just telling myself, that's a good thing. That's not a good thing. This is a good thing. That's not a good thing. I'm just going to give you an example. I know I'm just rambling here, and you're like, what is she saying? Let me just give you an example, especially if you haven't read uh, Proverbs. There's this this pattern that Proverbs has over and over. An honest witness does not deceive. Good. But a false witness pours out lies. Evil, right? The mocker seeks wisdom and finds none. Evil. But knowledge comes easily to the discerning good. So I kept doing this as I was listening to it. And here's the thing about Proverbs. It has that formula. It's a wonderful formula. What is our normal tendency to believe when we have a formula like that? That if we do everything it says to do, all is going to be great. Life, piece of cake. If we can somehow manage to follow every single one of the Proverbs, which how many of you think we could do that? Okay, not much of us, but let's just say we really made a strong effort and say, okay, I'm going to make it my business to read the Proverbs on a regular basis and actually do what the Proverbs say to do. My life should be better. There should be prosperity. There should be blessing in my life. Wisdom makes these huge promises to us. You do this and this will happen. Seek me. You will find me. There will be treasures. There will be blessing." But it isn't always the case, is it? And quite often, these proverbs are misused. I wonder if you've been a victim of a poorly used proverb. Here's an example. Your child's misbehaving or your teenage daughter walked away from her faith, and you have a really sweet friend who's been reading proverbs all day long, and she says, well, you know, did you read Proverbs 22.6? It says, start children off the way they should go, and even when they're old, they will not turn from it. Somehow you must have not read that one. Right or, or Proverbs 17:11, evil doers foster rebellion against God. Messenger of death will be sent against them. That's a really nice friend to read that to you, right? When your kid is rebelling. Or let's so how about this: you tell your friend, "I've had a few fights with my husband or my wife," and your friend goes, "Oh, you know, whoever loves a quarrel loves sin." That's one of the proverbs, Proverbs 17. Or how about this? Someone thinks, well, you know, your success is related to humility. You deserve all the success you've had. You're so humble. You're so honest. You're such a good person. Uh, Maybe read uh, Proverbs 28 to you. Uh, Whoever conceals their sin does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces finds mercy. That's why you're successful. That is also a misuse of Proverbs. While that is a promise of Proverbs, it is not a prosperity gospel book. There is no guarantee in life. That's why we need to read Proverbs, but also read the other wisdom books. You see, Proverbs is the optimist book. It says, you will have the best chance at the best life if you follow these wise sayings. It's the optimist. It's the moral book. Follow this code of morality and you will have a good life. Why is it the book that most secular writers steal from? every you know you read anywhere you go read a proverb when you're at the supermarket to some total stranger they're not going to be upset with you talk about jesus and his grace and sacrifice they might look at you funny nobody minds hearing a proverb why because it's morality and the challenge with that when we only read and listen to that wisdom while it's good wisdom don't make, don't get me wrong but if we only listen to this wisdom our tendency would be to believe That somehow we can moral our way to a good relationship with God. If we just do this, do we need God? How would we need God if we're like we can make life perfectly on our own? We couldn't. That's why we need the other books of wisdom in the Bible. So let's look at Ecclesiastes. Now, this is the opposite. This is the pessimist side of wisdom. And we need the pessimist side of wisdom. That's why it's in the Bible. How many of you like Ecclesiastes? A lot fewer people than Proverbs. And it's not an easy book to read. Look how it starts. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Have a good day. (laughs) And it just goes on and on and on in that kind of language. Now, the word meaningless the Hebrew word is hevel. This is a challenge sometimes when we transfer from Hebrew to English. Is Some of these words have so much meaning. You know, oh, it's funny, the pun there. But they have so much behind them, it's hard to translate them into English in a way that it really makes sense. But hevel means almost like smoke and vapor. If you're a smoker or you've seen someone smoking and they take a puff of the cigarette and they blow out that beautiful ring... How long does that last? Can you grab that ring? Can you hold on to it if you can't? Solomon is saying in this letter, life is temporary. Life is an enigma. It's a paradox. It's complex. And yet at the same time, you can't grab hold of it fully. You don't have control over it. And his whole letter is reminding us that we cannot trust our emotions as wisdom because life has a way of throwing side at us. We follow the Proverbs, we do all the right things, and our kid rebels. We follow the Proverbs, we do all the right things, and somehow our business fails. We follow the Proverbs and the economy tanks and we go into all kinds of problems. We follow the Proverbs and we have problem in marriage. We follow the Proverbs and we get sick. You're like, wait a second, I did all the right things. How come I'm not getting all the benefits of wisdom? Solomon says, life is a paradox. There is struggle in life. It isn't always exactly like we want it to be. It's somewhat, somewhat random in the way that it behaves. In fact, in Ecclesiastes 9:11, if you have your Bible, you can go there. I'll write it down, look it up later. Listen to what it says. I have seen something else under the sun. The race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant or favor to the learned, but time and chance happen to them all. Any one of us, any one of us, could have struggled tomorrow or have struggled today. No one of us is immune to the reality of life. Does it upset you when you see something terrible happen to a good person? When you see a young child die, or you hear about a young person who died of cancer and left children behind, and you think, why is that happening? Solomon is real. Realist in this sense, recognizing that while there is good in wisdom, wisdom can only take us so far because life is like a vapor. Life is a paradox. All right, so did that depress you? I think it did. I can tell. You look a little depressed right now. So let's go to Job so you don't, like, lose it. (laughs) It's getting better, isn't it? Let's go to Job. Job is the realist in this equation. Because Job is a good guy. He's a man after God. He's doing good things, and he is blessed. Job has a wife and 10 children. He has livestock. He has success. And by any, any standard, you would say, man, I, you probably know people like this. You know people like this who are like, their lives just look perfect. Anybody? You know someone? Well, not Okay, I know some people. I look at them, and they, their lives look perfect. They have it all. Job had it all. All and he loved God. And Satan comes along, and he the in fact in the Hebrew, the Satan, the liar, the deceiver comes to God and he's been roaming around the world, and God is the one who says, Well, did you check out my good servant Job? It's like, God, what what happened there? Obviously, Satan missed him. Don't talk to him about Job. God's like, pay attention to this one. This one. Look at him. He's blessed. And of course, Satan says. Well, of course he's blessed. You've got him protected. Nothing's going to happen to him. He's doing all the right things, and you're doing all the right things by him. But listen, take all that away and watch how he will curse you. How many of us would not, if we suddenly lost our loved ones, our family, our children, our business, our finances, our home, our health, how many of us would not, in all honesty, get angry with God Satan knew this, and he's like, yeah, go ahead and test him. And God lets Satan test Job. And he takes everything away from him. Now, here's a guy, he, if, you, if you talk to him, he followed all the Proverbs. And God is the one who sends his way all kinds of pain. Now, why? Does that not, like, confuse you and upset you a little bit? But here, this is what's important about this. If we were to ever be perfect... I mean, if you look at my personality profile, I'm a perfectionist. I mean, I'm a perfectionist. I like the dishwasher set a certain way. I like my house to look a certain way. I I mean, I'm a perfectionist. I know Some of you are not perfectionists, but I think all of us want to reach that place of ultimate, as good as we can be, right? We all want that. If we were to reach that, would we find ourselves in a place where we don't need God? Is it possible for us to suddenly forget how much we need the Lord? I know it would be for me. I think that's probably why I'm so driven to perfection. I want to just like, I'm driven to perfection so I can feel in control. That's my personality. Are you with me? Anybody perfectionist in the room? Yay, I'm not alone, right? I just want control at the end of the day. But if I have control, I am sure that I would get to that place where I would not need God because I've been there before. I've been there before. But we're in a world where none of us are perfect. Not any one of us. And we can't even reach that if we tried. So here's what happens in this world because we don't reach that perfection that Proverbs might put out before us, we cause pain. I've caused myself pain, I've caused others pain. Now, I'm one person. I can't give you a list of the people I've hurt in my life because of my lack of wisdom. That's just me one person. There's Hundred and some people in here right now. I'm guessing you've made a mistake or two and you've hurt one person at least. Is that fair? Maybe one more than one? Maybe two? <laughs> Multiply that by billions of people. How much pain is there in the world? By our own actions. A lot. And I think what Job is gonna remind us of as a realist is that while, well, like Solomon says, Wisdom and life is like a vapor. Life is like a vapor. It's like a paradox. And it's worse than that in that there is pain in this world caused by people themselves, caused by the evil and by the evil that is in us. There's got to be a way for us to somehow hold on to wisdom, all of wisdom. Wisdom then says, this is how you ought to live, and there's a blessing. Wisdom that says, listen, even if you live that way, There might not be a blessing. Wisdom that says, yeah, even if you live that way, there might be some challenges in your life. How do we hold on to all of that? And Job gives us the answer. When he loses everything... I mean, he's getting bad news after bad news. It's like he's sitting there. They tell him, "Okay, your son died, or your livestock died." He's I mean, like one bad news after the other. When all of these trains of bad news come, he has one thing to say: "May the Lord, may the name of the Lord be praised." Let's say that together: "May the name of the Lord be praised." He fell to the ground in worship. Now, listen. When was the last time you stubbed your toe and said, "Praise Jesus"? No, you didn't. I know I didn't. That's what Job did. In the most extreme of circumstances, he thanks the Lord. He praises God. He worships God for whom he is. What did Satan want Job to do? Curse God. Turn away from God. What is wisdom telling us? Yes, do the right things. You have a greater chance of having a better life. Wisdom tells Yes, do the right things, but recognize you have no control over life. Wisdom says, yes, do the right things. Bad things may happen, but do not ever forget to worship the Lord at all times. Why? Because he is good and just and loving. And this life is short, but eternity is forever. And eternity will not have the pain, the suffering, the losses that we have in this short life. And so we fix our eyes in a longer view. We think of wisdom holistically. Where do all three books, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job agree? That fearing the Lord, worshiping the Lord, staying humble for our need for him, even if we do Proverbs well, trusting the designer of life and not the design itself, listening to the ultimate wisdom giver, that is the way to live in wisdom so we can seek wisdom and we must seek wisdom and never stop listening for it we need it we need it especially when life hits us those low blows we need it mostly when we feel like my life makes no sense are you there right now Are you in a place where in your life right now, you're like, it makes no sense. I've done all the right things and it's not happening. I've prayed. I've had people pray for me and it's not changing. That illness isn't going away. When those situations happen, seek more wisdom, not less. Because when you're seeking wisdom, who are you seeking? Yes, you're seeking the Lord. Would we ever get tired of listening to the Lord? I hope not. I hope not. Solomon was trying to teach us this crucial principle of wisdom. It's a path, not a destination. And this path has twists and turns and surprises and blessings. Yes, many blessings. But it's a path that we get to walk with the Lord. And we don't want to run away and try to get to the end of the path without living out the fullness of the path, because it's in that path of wisdom that we gain more wisdom. This week, I spoke at the women's uh, gathering, and I had to share for my testimony. And every time I do that, I'd have to tell you, it's really hard for me, because, you know, I want to be perfect. I want you to think I'm perfect. You know, that, that's just me being honest. And so when I have to say my stuff, I realize people know, oh, now they know the real Inez. And how many of us want the real you to be known? Okay, not too many, right? You're with me, right? We try to, like, hide that, but God has me in a place where he's like, no, you've got to, you've got to share your story, and, and he uses that story, and I think it's amazing, and as I was preparing for that message, I woke up on Wednesday, and I kept hearing this sort of sense, you know, it's not like an audible voice or anything, but I kept sensing God prompting me to go pull some letters from the past and read them. They were in the bottom of my box, and I was like, I'm not doing that. It's like, no, it's not relevant. I've never done that for this kind of message. And I kept hearing all Wednesday long. I decided, no, I'm not doing it. Woke up at 4 a.m. on Thursday morning. Read the letter. A little louder this time. Fine. So I got up. I went and fished out the letters, and I read them, and I realized, oh, wow. I do need to read these letters. These were letters, a letter that I wrote uh, to my husband's ex-wife and a letter she wrote back to me. And I shared my testimony about how my relationship with Jim started. And I felt God saying, read these letters to the ladies in the room. Why? Because I wanted them to see how important, how important truth is and how we need to be real with one another. But I was a little nervous, so I decided I can't just do it thinking that I heard from God. Because here's what we do with wisdom we think, well, I'll have wisdom, it's me and God, we're good. I'm just gonna hear what he has to say to me and I'll go do my thing. That's not a bad thing. But God intentionally chooses to use people to speak wisdom into us. And so we have to check because, you know, you might have made up an idea on your own and you got, you're got you all convinced it came from God. So you got to check that with others. Have them pray too. So I call my friend. I sent her the letters. I said, would you read these letters? Should I read these? Would you pray about it? And she read them. She's like, whoa. Whoa, okay. Let me pray. And she prayed. Well, about 15 minutes later, she calls me. She goes, well, I think you should, but maybe... Maybe you should do this first. And she gave me some things to do, and, and I did those. And after I did those, I still didn't know if I should read them. I asked one more person, had them read it. and Yeah, you should totally read them. I still wasn't satisfied. I asked another person, like, well, you know, there's a positive and there's You see how I was looking for wisdom. I kept looking all the way until it was time for me to get up there and speak to be sure that when I did it, it was wise for me to do so. I'm telling you this, okay, I got it right that one time. I don't always do this, but I did. I sought wisdom, and multiple people helped me find a place where I trusted that I was making a good decision. Was there still risk that I was wrong? Yes, I could have asked 100 people. There's still a chance that I was wrong. But I sought wisdom along the journey, and every time I did, I learned something more about the value of the voice that I heard days before. Wisdom is a journey. We must be searching for it at all times, and we need to find it from one another. So here's a question for you as the worship team comes up. What if we were people who are actively listening to wisdom from God and from one another as our most important purpose, as a way of living, like, maybe you're in a place where you don't have wise people in your life. That's your first step. You might go, yeah, I don't have. I don't have people that I can go to when I'm in a situation like that. I may, I may need to go get some. There is someone in your life or a friend of someone in your life who probably has at least some wisdom about your circumstance. Don't think that someone will not understand. No one will understand your whole circumstance. But there is someone And I pray that you will look for someone to be that wisdom for you. And I ideally, I pray that you would look for more than one person. That's why we are so passionate about life groups. Because it's in small groups that you get to know each other well enough, where you can trust each other well enough, that someone can speak wisdom into your life. And it's not going to come across Mm -hmm. as the, I got wisdom for you. I got a word from you. You you don't even know what they have behind that. So if you don't, you don't have that, your step today towards active listening to wisdom might be to seek out some friends, some people in your life that you're going to say, okay, I want to walk with you. I want to learn from you. I want you, to, I want you to pray with me for the things that I need. Now, I think most of you probably do have that, right? How many of you have someone that you can go to? Yeah, a good amount of you do. But here's my challenge to you. We might have those friends that we listen to, but there are things we're not willing to go and take to them. Can you think of a few things that you go, yeah, I go to my friends for this kind of wisdom, but when it comes to this area here, I got this on my own with God. And, and there's sometimes reasons for that. We think no one will understand, or we think that no one, we don't want to bother people with what we've got going, or we think that maybe they can't really help us. But you don't really know until you try. And it's a good chance that even the journey, not what they have to say, but just the journey of going to your friends and going, hey, I I need some wisdom in this area. I've never talked to anyone about this. Just that journey might be blessed by the Lord, and you'll hear the wisdom you need. Remember, Scripture says, seek wisdom and you will find it. There's no question about it. You will, it's a promise that is there in Scripture, and God does fulfill. God makes promises. He keeps them. Seek wisdom. You will find it. James tells us, you lack wisdom. Ask God. He's a good giver. He will give you the wisdom you need. But you have to look for it. So if you are doing anything in your life that's important, and you're not seeking wisdom, maybe your step today is go, oh, yeah, I do have this area in my life. I'm going to get a few friends together. I'm going to ask them to... Just process this out loud with me and pray for me. That we might practice and be wisdom seekers like treasure hunters all day long, every day of the week. Because when we do so, we are drawing closer to God evermore, every day. Let me pray. Oh, God, that was a lot. <laughs> Thank you so much for this, the pouring of what we're learning today. This incredible tension between the promises of wisdom and the reality of life. But Lord, you want us to listen, to seek you, to draw close to you. Lord Jesus, you are wisdom. Would you help us know where we need to engage in more listening to you? how to walk along with you, how to walk on this path of wisdom, that we might pour it out to others, that we might be that person that someone else seeks for your wisdom. Help us be faithful even in that. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen, amen. Well, we just stand, let's respond to what God had to say. And obviously, that was a boatload, so you've got some thinking to do. So as you do... Go to the different stations around the chapel. If you've never been here before, we do this every time. We take time. We're, we're not, it's not, the service isn't finished yet. This is part of the service where we go to the cross to confess our sins because we are free in Christ Jesus. He has paid our sins, so we live in victory. We can release whatever that is and know that he's forgiving to us. We have the candles, beautiful example of hope in our lives. We have the communion table, and it's a little different today. So how fun is that? I love when we change it up. But the communion table, where we're reminded of the gift of wisdom that was given to us, Jesus Christ. He gave his life for us, for you, for me. And we come and remember that the manifold wisdom of God was revealed when he sacrificed his own son for people like you and I who are broken, imperfect, unwise, And he makes us wise by his power, by the power of the Holy Spirit. We have offering boxes on the back because wisdom is counterintuitive. When we give back to God from what he gives us, we receive blessings, not monetary blessings, but blessings that we can't even describe because he blesses our heart with gratitude. And we have our elders right here and our prayer team around. That's another station too. Go pray for someone. Pray with someone for wisdom. We have the prayer walls well where you can write a prayer. But you know, we've got live people in the room so why not pray with a brother or sister, right? So go ahead, respond. Have a conversation with the Lord and then we'll worship together. All right, well, as you go out today, I want to read from you from Hebrews chapter 13, this benediction. I'll put out your hands to receive these words from Paul. Well, or whoever wrote Hebrews, we don't know. <laughs> but here's says it says. Now may the God of peace who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, wisdom, and he ratified an eternal covenant with his blood. May he equip you with all that you need to do his will. May he producing you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him so that all the glory be to him forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Go in God's grace. We'll see you next week. Thank you again for listening. Make sure to learn more about Inez Franklin at www.inezfranklin.com. You can help share these teachings by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts and sending this episode to a friend. Make sure to follow Inez Franklin on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and more, where she is engaging with the community and inviting us to participate with God and his work together. Thanks again.